Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada, Dundalk, and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the new and pre-owned Renault, Dacia, and Opel range. And a car finance specialist on-site to arrange a finance package that suits your budget. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio on this beautiful afternoon. Thank God for the heat at last. Don't forget our numbers through the uh, next couple of hours. 086-1800-658 if you'd like to WhatsApp or text us to the show. 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. We have two young ladies from a toad college who've uh, done really well with an idea. They're talking to us a little bit later on in the show. Coldplay, I continue their story and song and words today. Dr. David Murnahan is with us from Boyne Dental and Implant Clinic. Do you see this thing on TikTok? Do you know teenagers are actually filing down their teeth? Oh, can you just imagine? We're talking to Dr. David about it later on. Carmel Harrington is here. She's a brand new novel out, The Moon Over Kilmore Key. Looking forward to catching up with Carmel again and more besides over the next couple of hours. But we begin today with a really great story because you know Fantasy Premier League, you know Fantasy Football Leagues, but Fantasy Premier League is the official one, the big official Fantasy Football League that runs through the football season now each year. 8.3 million people partake. Listen to this, 8.3 million people. And guess what? An Irishman has won it. And more than interesting to us is that he has huge links with County Mead. I'm delighted to say congratulations and hello this afternoon to Michael Coon. Michael, how are you? Hello, how's things? Thanks for having me on. Not (laughs) at all. Listen, boy, one out of 8.3 million. Wow, this is something else, isn't it? Yeah, it was incredible. It was incredible. I came right to the wire. Um... I was probably in the top ten probably for the last probably eight, nine weeks, but um I didn't I had ambitions to win it, but I needed a bit of luck in the end, but it was it was fantastic to get over the line. It was a very exciting Sunday for me. Now Sunday was exciting if you followed the clubs chasing the uh uh, the uh, European Cup or the Champions League as they call it now places of course but for you guys who are in the mix there right to the end it went to the to the wire didn't it really into yeah. uh, into added time at the end of the games explain because it was oh. touch and go wasn't it absolutely yeah so I, um, what, I, what happens in the game is when you pick your captain your captain gets double points so I, I picked Sadio Mane which was big for me he got two goals in that, that race for the Champions League but uh, it, it's funny like you have to keep interest in even the games that aren't important so Leeds were playing West Brom and I was tracking in the last five minutes I was tracking that I, I was looking like I was going to be lose by one pint um, but then Leeds conceded a goal to West Brom Robson Canu got a very very late goal and, and that put, um, put uh, took points off the second place person so it just, just nipped me in the lead for five points so incredibly tense incredibly exciting uh, when that goal went in and for everyone else the, the game meant nothing um, West Brom were already relegated and it didn't mean a whole lot to lead yes. so it's amazing that it felt so much to me, but it didn't probably mean a lot to a lot of other people. Who were you watching, or what way were you watching it? You know, you had a selection of matches to watch. Who was which, and just explain the scenario. Yeah. It's interesting, actually, because uh, I was due to get married on that weekend, um, but we had to put it off because of COVID restrictions. So um, I was I was in my apartment uh, in Dublin. I live and work in Dublin with my, my fiancé, Deirdre, and uh, we were watching the Liverpool game. So the, I, I support Liverpool, and I had a lot of players from Liverpool on my team for that final week. 
Um, so I was watching that, but but every every other game I had alerts just uh, bouncing into my phone whether something happened that I suppose did something good for me or bad for me. So uh, the phone was hopping with, with alerts telling me uh, how well or badly I was doing. Um, so it was incredibly exciting, yeah. Mm, and of course, double whammy Liverpool qualifying for the Champions League on, yeah. on Sunday as well. So you uh, won on the double. Do you mind me asking you, what, what's involved in, in the win? What do you get? What's your prize? Yeah, so um, the main prize is a seven-day trip to the UK, so you get two VIP experiences at, at matches of your choice. So I'll probably pick a Liverpool match that that will suit me next year. Um, I suppose hopefully when the travel restrictions uh, ease off and stuff. But yeah, so I, I'm not sure exactly what's involved in the VIP element of it, but uh, it sounds exciting. Anyway, <laughs> it sounds yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. And there's other there's other goodies like I think there's a laptop, um, smart watches, and uh, mm. the other kind of managerial type uh, more joke prizes like jackets and, and yes, dress yeah. and ball and stuff oh look at there's a, there's a the ball of stuff trip. coming your way I, I know that yeah. of course of course there is and well deserved indeed Do you have you played this for a number of years have you ever been close before yeah no probably probably has done badly in the past but I've probably played it over 10 years there's always a work league um, that we try and compete in um, so it's, that's, that's generally always my ambition is just trying to win the work league um, I've, I've done reasonably okay but um, if you look at my history it's nowhere near as good as I as I went this year but um, I suppose there's a lot less uh, social distractions this year so you got to focus more time on it and I got to put more time into it and particularly when I started going well and rising up the Ireland charts to the Ireland League um, I, I definitely put more attention into it and, and it paid off in the end thankfully mm, Where did you come up with the name Teddy Bears United? <laughs> it's interesting I, I get asked that question a few times but um, a lot, like I suppose, I put a lot of effort into the team, and I didn't think a whole lot about the team name. It was kind of just I had to get it in at a certain time. You had a deadline to get it in, so I thought it was a fairly passive name. There's, there's a lot of kind of gamesmanship in the whole game that people would report offensive team names and you can get kicked out of the game for that. So I just said I'd completely steer clear of anything that could be deemed offensive. So I went for teddy bears. I thought it was fairly uh, soft. Love. <laughs> so, uh, Lovely. Yeah, so that's 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 the background of that, really. Ah, oh, great. And um, in terms of playing this game, Mane, of course, was key for you. And then, as you said, the concession of the goal elsewhere. Yeah. Do you have any? I don't want to give you you have to give away all your secrets, but is there yeah. anything you feel in terms of strategy that stood you in good stead? Yeah, it's it's all about planning. So, like you you have to weigh up. Like you, you don't get you don't get um, a lot of like you can't just pick team you think is going to be the best every week um, so you have to strategically move through the year so you only get one free transfer uh, every every single year or every single week uh, and then if you if you want more you have to pay four of your points to get to get an extra transfer so you have to be really thinking a long, a long way ahead that right, a certain club has a good run of fixtures so you have to I suppose plan to, to get three players from that team uh, their best players that are on form at that particular time uh, in a further run of fixtures so it's planning and making sure your budget like your team value goes up and down based on on how good your players are so you have to keep your keep an eye on your budget and make sure you have enough money to get in the players you want at, mm. the, at the right time so it, it takes that that's that's where people fall down I'd say they, they probably use a lot of these four point uh, hits to try and make their team good for just one week without looking too far ahead yes, yes. so uh, the longer term so you get a, a budget it's imaginary of course of 100 million at the start and you have to work within that Buying and selling and moving and shaking and whatever. Exactly. So you can only get three players from one particular club, and yeah. So the good players are obviously uh, expensive. So you, you have to fill your team with a lot of, um, I suppose, cheaper, weaker players from weaker mm. clubs. So you have to hope, hopefully, pick the right ones there uh, and hope that they'll perform for you. Where did it all begin? Yeah. So uh, Philip Quinlan there. I think he's a regular listener to the show. There. It was. We. I used to live in Silverland in Navan. There. Um, we. Uh, there was a paper league. Um, so a newspaper used to just every week they'd put up points for a particular fancy game that was years and years ago um, we used to uh, gather up everyone all the all the kids in the estate um, I used to gather up in one house and we used to have a bidding session to pick players and that, that was your team set for the year so there's none of the strategy of moving or transferring players every week you had your team and that was your team for the whole year but uh, the points were totaled up and uh, yeah Philip Philip was very instrumental in introducing me to the game so it was great Silver Lawns in Navin is where it all began folks all those years ago he sent us a message actually he is a regular listener to the show and he says I think it would have been the early 90s but I'm sure Mick will know himself he was very shrewd listen to this what he says about you he was very shrewd even back then and saved all his money for the top players like Shearer etc Oh, that's it. That's the only way you win, you know. I had to be strategic. I was only probably, I was only young. I was probably 10, 11 at that time, but uh, <laughs> I, still, I, I was still trying to 
do do a bit of tactics there. Yeah, the um, in in a in a wider sense, you know, you obviously follow Liverpool and have a keen eye on the Premier League as well. Um, it's been another strange kind of year w- without fans. Liverpool, God, they had, they looked like they weren't even going to make Europe at at one yeah. stage, and they had a tremendous finish. City winning it for the third year out of four. Uh, what did you make of the season? Yeah, it was, it was different. Uh, it's very strange, I think, uh, without the fans. Uh, I found it, it took me a while to get used to it. I suppose watching, I uh, tried to watch it with that fake noise, the fake crowd noise, which was a bit strange. Uh, the big, the big difference is that like all the fixtures are really squashed up atop of each other. Um, so th- there was a lot of injuries and a lot of um, a lot of things going wrong for a lot of teams. Um, like a lot of games getting cancelled at the last minute uh, because of COVID outbreaks in teams and stuff. So it was just a very, very strange, strange year. Um, you'd see that in some of the some of the, those very strange results and stuff but um, still still, like as I said there wasn't many social outlets so having having that on the TV to watch was just was just great to have it, have something on like um, mm. I think back probably last March when things completely shut down yeah. um, there wasn't even the, the sport on the TV or anything to watch but um, yeah it was great and then Fancy Football gives us gave it an extra bit of uh, excitement so you could watch even the poorer games having having one of them poor players in your team um, to, to, get, to get you excited about so it was great yeah, like uh, it, it's been different, but like with some fans back, it was great to see them back. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, at the final games and that, and it certainly added a lot to it. Do you think that the presence of fans is a, is a factor for you know uh, games? Uh, you know, the support behind the home club results, etc. It, it can have a positive and negative effect, I think. But yeah, absolutely. Um, like it puts pressure on teams as well when they're not going well and they have to, to push. Like. You definitely, I definitely noticed there was a lot of, I suppose, more people playing out from the back, and I suppose they were less nervous uh, when, when there's a big roar in the crowd. When you might slip up or something, they were, they were too uh, cautious to do that. So they probably, um, so there, there was definitely, um, there, there's elements to it. But yeah, a crowd drives you on, like particularly Anfield. You would have seen in a couple of the European nights when they came back from uh, for, to beat Barcelona a few years ago. There, yeah, um, the, the crowd had a massive, massive effect on that. And, like I think this, I'm not sure exactly the stats, but I think like there was a lot of away wins. Um, so like in the past, probably you had a big advantage at home, but that, that advantage kind of went away without the fans. So definitely, definitely a massive effect on, on the game. Now you are the champ of uh, 8.3 million. Wow, there's not many people can say that in the world, Michael. No pressure next time round; they'll all be uh, watching you. There'll be a lot of focus, all right. But uh, as I said before, I'll probably just go back to focus on, on trying to win the work league first. Uh, <laughs> I, I, as I said, it takes like there is there is a bit of work and a bit of uh, skill and tactics to it. But a lot of it is luck. Um, I don't think there's there's many people that would get back in a position again where they'd, they'd have a chance to win it again. It, it would take it would take another bit of yes. good fortune. But yeah, I'll definitely definitely enter it and, and try my best. But uh, it's, just, it's just purely a pastime, and it's it's it's. Yeah, I really enjoy it. It makes the games more exciting. You're the man to beat. And just before we finished, what about this big day? Have you refixed it? Yeah, so uh, July, hopefully, uh, we're, we're waiting on hopefully good news uh, this Friday now with the announcement. So hopefully we'll get maybe 25, um, the restrictions to up, uplift it to 25 for your reception. So if that happens, we'll probably probably go ahead then. But uh, that's, that's what we're waiting on. Well, it all began in County Mead. He is a Galway man, but uh, County Mead and uh, Philip... Quinlan and the crew honed his talent all those years ago and look what it's yielded the uh, winner of Fantasy Premier League this year with Teddy Bears United, Philip Quinlan. And as I leave you today, I'm going to dedicate this song to you. It's all about Teddy Bears to you and your team and your win from Miss Sharon Corr. Thank you for joining me, Michael. Thanks for having me. It was great. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sharon Core, and we dedicate that to Michael Kuhn, winner of Fantasy Premier League with his team Teddy Bears United. And we'll also dedicate that this afternoon to Patricia and Patrick Cassidy from Rose Hill Muller, County Cavan, on the birth of their new baby girl. That's four of them now, three girls and a boy. Congratulations, and it comes in from your family and friends this afternoon on Late Lunch. Just listening to the song there, Got One Eye, Got No Hair. I had a teddy bear like that, a little grey fella, and he had these uh, orangey coloured eyes. So they were beautiful, I can still see them. It was my first teddy bear. Don't know ever 
sure where he went to, but he was rag and ruin, I can tell you, by the time he uh, left my life. But I can still see him with the one eye, with one missing, and God Almighty, you always remember your first Teddy, don't you? You do indeed. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio, back in a moment. Coming up shortly on Late Lunch, Carol Harrington about her new book, The Moon Over Kilmore Key. They love her. She's a huge, huge woman in the world of Irish writing and publishing. Last night, gory, gory Manchester United. I have to leave the L out. They were shocking. I watched the Europa League final. Little Villarreal from Spain. What a fairy story that is. Beat them on penalties in case you're on another planet. 11-10. The Man United keeper De Gea missed the last penalty. I have to say United were rubbish, apart from McTominay perhaps. Rashford, Pogba, Fernandes the big star. They should have been hauled off. I'm sorry to say... Solskjaer is not the man for Manchester United. They need a manager. He's tactically inept. He really is. No subs until the very end of the game. You can say what you like about who was on the bench. There should have been changes. Shocking. There'll be a new manager at Man United. They might let him into next year. But there will be a new manager, that's for sure. And as for Unai Emery, Arsenal, that crew that I follow, I was delighted they won. Arsenal made an absolute balls of sacking Emery, I have to say. He should have been left there. They got rid of him far too soon. And he goes back and he wins that big trophy with that little club who've never won a cup in their 98-year history. Nothing, nothing ever. And they win last night. Now, I know they have a substantial backer. A town of 50,000, about the size of Drogheda and its hinterland, winning that cup. It just shows you what can be done. It really does with some money and backing and the right people at the club. Oh, my God, I'm delighted for Emery. I really am. But sorry, United fans. It's got to change, I think. <laughs> talking, talking about Arsenal, there'll need to be changed there too, I think. Sorry to say, but there you have it. Anyway, taking us to news and sport. No sport, I've done the sport. News and weather at two. Yes, it's the Saw Doctors. I love it. Come on, let's dance to this one. It's the end 17. As a Manchester United fan, Jerry, sadly, I have to agree with you. I think we need a manager, says a listener by a text to us this afternoon. Don't forget the numbers if you want to get in touch. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Now, she is one of our most loved authors. And honest to God, I've always enjoyed her company when she's been here with me in studio. And she's back with a brilliant new book. It's called The Moon Over Kilmore Key. And I'm delighted to say hello again to Carmel Harrington. Hello, Carmel. Hi, Jerry. It's so cool to be back with you. Um, it really is. Thank you for having me on again. Not at all. Any time. Well, where does this well of talent come from you've done it again because already this book has been acclaimed uh, and it's only been released in, in recent times i have to say in fact it's today is the official date isn't it it is today is the official <laughs> date we see what's what's really great is that early copies will go out maybe yeah. a couple of months in advance to to the media to book reviewers um newspapers and to other authors and they Thankfully, you know, you don't always know that they're going to read it, of course. You know what I mean? You mm. just hope that it goes out. But people have been reading it and sharing their thoughts. And it's kind of gone down really well. So such relief. Like, I'm really just breathing this huge sigh of relief that people seem to have fallen in love with it already. So, ah, well, good. you have the magic formula. That is for sure. But look, this one, I, I can see myself that you've obviously worked an awful lot on the whole issue of emigration and the immigrants' experience, I take it you did a lot of research in that area. I did, Jerry. Well, you know me, Jerry. We've chatted about this before, yeah. and you know that I do like to any topic I decide to write about. I need to research it before I even touch it, and I have to find a way to walk in the shoes of the characters somehow or other. Um, so, to a certain extent, this immigration experience I knew about. I'm the daughter of immigrants. Um, my dad is from Wexford, and my grandmother left Wexford. After her husband died, she was a young widow. And so she had to leave Wexford to go to London for work, send money home, as often was the way back then. And as soon as my aunt and my dad were old enough, they followed her to London. And um, then my dad met my mum, who's from London, and they met over a garden fence, actually. And they fell in love, got married. So us four kids, myself, my two sisters and my brother were born in London. And we were very much part of the Irish community there. Like I very much grew up Irish in London and daddy hurled with the father Murphys. And, you know, we went to feshes and it was a very much an Irish childhood. Mm. We came home every year, sat on the beach in Curraclough, played with cousins. And then when I was 10, we moved back to Ireland and I've been in Wexford ever since and kind of made our home here. 
which is wonderful. So I understood that what it was like to be the daughter of immigrants. I saw what it was like for my dad as a young child. I saw how much he missed Ireland. And then I saw for my mum, she became the immigrant when we moved to moved from London to Wexford. And of course, all her family were at home in England. And um, and I saw how hard, while she loved being here, I saw that pull to home for her too. So I very much, I understood that personally. But to really understand what it was like for people who lived in America in particular, I went to New York and I immersed myself actually in the Irish communities there and interviewed a lot of people about what it was like to leave Ireland on Morrison visas in the 90s and some on the Donnelly and people who left in the 50s actually and started new lives there. And the children of those immigrants I also met and it was just really useful for B. O'Connor and Lucy Myrna's characters, the two main characters in the book. Yes, and it was Lucy, of course, with her sister Maeve who emigrated first to New York and B is the next generation. So you've actually, you know, you've immersed yourself, as you said, in both aspects of it. You know, those who went and you know of it yourself with your grandparents and parents and the new ones, you know, I would like to call second, first, second, third generation uh, as well. And you weave this brilliantly because it's from two aspects. You know, when you talk about the young one, her looking back to her homeland, which, you know, she was reared on this in the States. Absolutely. And and that's the thing for B, who is B O'Connor is, as as you said, she's the granddaughter Mm. of immigrants and she's just grown up in Brooklyn. She's American. But she's always grown up Irish there. And I suppose similar to my own childhood, she grew up going to see her uncle and her dad, Hurl, in, in New York. And there's a wonderful diaspora community there, Jerry. And when I went over and I interviewed um, th- those people, what was the first thing that became apparent was, there were a couple of things. One you laugh at was they all talked about Barry's tea a lot. <laughs> and I had to put that in the book. So my characters, the Irish Americans talk about tea a lot because they know, it's so funny, they know where all the places are that sell the Barry's tea as opposed to the American brands. And they also know, like, there was one lovely story where, um, and I put it in the book, I gave it to a character, where this girl I was interviewing, and she was saying she called into this local deli and she asked for a coffee and they gave her a tea and they gave her Lipton's. She was horrified. And so she went up to the counter and looked under the counter and she said, that's where the good stuff was kept. And sure enough, the Barry's was hidden there. So there was this wonderful kind of community I found in Brooklyn. And the other thing was they pay it forward. It's just gorgeous the way they do it, that as soon as somebody lands over fresh from the boat or the plane, um, the Irish community kind of welcome them and help them out and get them set up. And there really is. And then they do the same for the next lot. So they really look after each other. And that was another thread that I found um, to be quite wonderful, actually. It's it's a gorgeous community. Yeah. And you know the thing uh, that comes across as well, you know, when people come to live here with us from other lands and there are so many nationalities have come here from the African continent, from Eastern Europe, and there are cultural and language barriers. But you know the thing, it's not given enough credit, despite the fact that we're similar culturally, you mentioned to London and to your mum coming here, and the same in the States, language-wise and that, it still is a huge thing. It is really, and there are so many different cultural differences between us all. And it is, you know, it is a, it's a big shock when you, you go from one um, country to another. I, I'll tell you something about my childhood, right? This is something that happened to me. And we're Catholics and we went to a Catholic school, predominantly Irish Catholic school in England. Um, But when we moved back here to Wexford on my first day of school um, here in Wexford, and at 12 o'clock, everybody scraped their chairs back and stood up and they started reciting the Angelus. But we didn't do the Angelus in our school in England. So I hadn't a clue what they were doing. It just was something we hadn't done. And um, it caused a bit of a foray because my teacher then was very concerned about whether I knew my prayers, which I did. But um, she was very concerned that I hadn't really learned them properly. And um, it was just one of those cultural moments. But, you know, we were Irish Catholics, but we just didn't do the Angelus. And so that was a first shock. And I think that's little things like that can catch you off guard when you leave your home and you leave somewhere that you know and you understand. And it's moments like that that can make you very homesick then, can't they? You know, and make Mm. you kind of look back and... Um, and I try to capture things like that in the book for um, for B and her family, the O'Connors, because there's four generations kind of throughout the book who've been in America since like the 30s. And um, another thing that I found when I interviewed them over there was how important Irish songs were. And everybody had a favourite Irish song where, you know, kind of every note and lyric reminded them of Ireland. And um, I thought that was really interesting, too. And 
And certainly for me as a young child, our house was full of um, Brendan Shine and the Fury Brothers. And my dad would have listened to all the Irish songs and, you know, Spansel Hill would have been a favourite of his to sing and things like that. So I always kind of grew up in my early years that we listened to all the Irish music. And I think it's the same, no matter where the Irish diaspora are, there are certain things that connect them and song is one of them as well. Mm, I know now why you've made such a wonderful job of this book because you are really, you know, bringing a lot of yourself and your family experience into it and all that research you've done as well. That's why, you see, you've put so much into it and it's quite obvious in the story and the way you weave it between the generations, between over there and back here. It's intriguing. Hey, there's a hell of a twist uh, as well that uh, I know you... you, I'm not going to say... Margaret Madden will kill me. I'm not going to say anything about it. There are many twists and turns in this book, but there's one hell of a one as well that you're going to be surprised by, I have to say. Um, look, I, I want to say this to you. You know, when I, first of all, I want to say it's lovely the way you've reproduced B's letter to herself at the beginning. You know, uh, in the handwriting, and and that sets really the the scene and the path, doesn't it? It does actually, and um, that actually how that actually came about was I had um, decided I wanted to write a book about immigration, so that was the theme I was going to work mm. on. And then I needed to kind of work, well, what am I going to write, and you know, what characters are there going to be? So I started thinking about what worlds I wanted to kind of create. But a few years ago, you know the you know the magazine, the Big Issue. Yes, and a couple of years ago, they had invited me on. They asked different people to come on and write letters to their younger self, and I had done this a few years ago. And it was a really interesting experience to do that, to kind of, and I took it seriously. I really wanted to give pause and thought to what would I say if I could speak to my 16-year-old self? And one of the things that I said in that letter was um, something that I wish I could say, but I smoked in my 20s. I don't, I haven't smoked for decades, Jerry, Mm. but I did smoke in my 20s. So I actually said, uh, one of the things I said in the letter was, you know, don't smoke. It doesn't make you look cool. And, you know, it's really difficult to give up. So I put that in the letter as one of the things that I said. And so I that kind of struck me. And I thought, can imagine that? Imagine if you could actually go back and have a chat with your younger self. And then that made me think about this letter from her 10-year-old self that's been stuck in a time capsule. Mm. And it was just really interesting to kind of look at how that might play out. So I asked my daughter, who is now 11. Oops, sorry. Apologies. There's live radio. If you <laughs> I thought I had this on silent. Apologies for that. But um, I asked my daughter who was 11 and I said to her, would you um, write a letter to your, just write a letter to your future self and tell me what you would say. And then I kind of used that and she put in her, in her letter, you know, I'm never going to eat Brussels sprouts. So I gave that to B as well. So I kind of <laughs> used things she said. So it was really, it was really kind of a fun thing to do. That yeah. was actually a yeah. Oh, it's great from both sides there. Well, look, at you've made a marvellous job of this. I just see you dedicate the book as well to your good friends, Hazel Gaynor and Catherine Ryan Howard, friends of ours as well here, fellow yes. writers. And uh, I love the Q&A at the end of the book as well, because, you know, it does prompt you to reflect on what you've read. But here's the thing. Do you hear those little melodic uh, sounds we've just heard in the background? You don't have a piano nearby, do you? I do, literally, right, right beside me here. I, <laughs> I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Now, I don't know whether I'd be doing any concerts anytime soon, Jerry, but um, it really saved me. I always wanted to learn to play the piano, and I never had as a child. And then um, I could do mean jig on the tin whistle, all right, but I never learned the, the, the piano. And then my daughter was given a gift of a little tiny, you know, keyboard for her birthday, and she'd never played it. And I said to her in the first lockdown, to try and take her mind off all the stuff that was going on. I said, why don't we learn together? And let's see if we can learn how to play one tune. So I downloaded an app and we started playing on that together. And then we kind of outgrew that. And a good friend of mine, Caroline, she said, well, I have a Casio keyboard. Do you want to borrow it? So I said, sure, why not? So we started playing on that. Then Amelia kind of got a little bit bored of it and I carried on. And I just realized that whenever I was playing the piano, I wasn't thinking about anything else but where my next finger should go because I had to really concentrate. But I, I love to sing. And like, I, you know, not that I sing well or anything, but I just love music and song is really an important part of my life. And I sing and dance a lot at home. And so it's just one of my, it's one of my happy places. So my husband then last October for our wedding anniversary, he completely blew me away and surprised me and he bought me a piano. So I now have a piano in my writing room. 
Ah, oh, it's fantastic, and you're learning away. I can see it. National Concert Hall, here she is, from being oh, yes. uh, <laughs> one of our most talented, loved uh, national and international writers of brilliant books on piano, Miss Carmel Harrington. I can I can see it, I can envision it as I sit here today. But you know something? I was looking, you mentioned there that the early copies have gone out, and today is launch day for this book. I'm delighted okay. to have Carmel with me. But it, 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 I just want to read these few lines to you uh, uh, from somebody who, who's read it. They say, you know a book is going to be a favourite of the year when you're chilling out listening to the audio book and suddenly you sit up and gasp at something that has just happened. Now, I think that just sums up this book and the, uh, you know, listening to it there. I thought it was a lovely line I was reading there in some of the early reviews. That's so nice to hear. Yeah. And the audio version is is just really lovely. There's two actresses. um, Kate Hanford is doing the voice of... Um, B, the American voice, and yeah. then Michelle Warren is doing the voice of Lucy, mm. um, the Irish voice, and they ju- they just do an incredible job. And there's another layer to sto- words you've written when actresses or actors and yes. um, bring them to life that way. Yeah. So the audio, you know, is kind of cool, and it's just a lovely day. Do you know what? It, it was a weird year, as we all know, it was a weird year last year. But I was actually three quarters of the way kind of finished writing this, and then the madness happened so I had to keep going because it was due in in April and I had to finish it um so I did I had I got it finished and I wrote kind of throughout that first lockdown and then I got all the edits done during the second lockdown (laughs) and then here we are now and it's just it feels lovely that bookshops have reopened and it feels like the moon is now shining bright for me (laughs) just (laughs) I know that sounds maybe a little bit romantic but it really is it's just been such a lovely it's been a lovely day, Jerry, just to be able to get out today yes. without visiting bookshops locally and and just seeing it on bookshelves. And mm. it's something that I really missed last year. And it's been so it's been really, really cool. Yeah, really well, great. there'll be some moon over Kilmore Key tonight because the super moon is still in the sky, folks. And may it remind you of this brilliant new book that launches today, The Moon Over Kilmore Key by Carmel Harrington. I've got a message from Bleach House Costa in Cullen County Loud from one Margaret Madden to to say she's listening in and wishes you well. And guess what? Book Club Day on late lunch tomorrow. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I have a feeling, as the song says, Woo! you never know. Anyway, Carmel, listen, it's great she's to lovely. chat to you. Best wishes and please God, we'll see you sometime down the road. Thank you so much. And thank you to Margaret because she's like, she's such a great supporter of Irish. She is. Authors, as are you, Jerry. You know, it's not a book unless I'm on talking to you about it. And hopefully, um, we, you know, when we're allowed, you know, yeah. I'll come in and I'll see you in studio and we can we can shoot the breeze again. We can it. indeed. And I look forward to it. You're brilliant. Love you to bits. Thanks for joining me Thank on the you. show. Thank you, Jerry. Thank Take you. care now. Bye bye. That's Carmel Harrington there and the moon over Kilmore Key. I'm going to hold the book till tomorrow. Robbie Williams and Feel on your late lunch this afternoon. 2002 from his fifth album, Escapology. Number four, it didn't make number one in the UK, but it was number one across Europe, Italy, Holland and Portugal to name but three of the countries. Big hit for Robbie Williams. Oh, two we're going back to with that one there. Now, spiders are in the news. Louise, didn't I say the other day we were talking about mice and then spiders came into the conversation and I said I love them. Yeah, you did. I do have a big affinity for spiders. This story is all over the place today. You've seen it, yes. Mm-hmm. The, the noble false widow spider. It looks rotten. It looks a, it's, I wouldn't say it's big with a little fat belly on it. You know, that's what it looks like. But they say if you get oh. bitten by it, uh, it's quite toxic. Yeah, they reckon that it's a, called it obviously a fake black widow, but... The new study is that it actually has two thirds of the venom of a black widow, which is right. quite lethal. Yeah, I think they've been round. Oh, they've been round from Adam was an ant, to be honest with you. But they came to Ireland. I don't know when they came here, but they say they Adam came was a in spider. from. I mentioned Portugal there or Madeira or somewhere like that some years ago in the, in the late nineties or something. They were detected first, but it seems they're all over the place now. But uh, most people who get bitten get bitten when they're in their bed or while asleep. Or, or putting That's the clothes. It. What's, what's that? <laughs> or all about the, putting your clothes on in the morning. 
Oh, oh. they're 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 uh, they're quite you know. You're putting your duvet, wrapping it up around your neck <laughs> tonight, and then you get bing, you get a little uh, little nip. Oh, I'd say, look, to be honest with you, Louise, I have an opinion on this. I'd say it's a lot of do about nothing. To be honest with you, is it slow news week that spiders are top of the pops? But it does say that you know people have ended up in hospital now. Ah, a few, a few, yeah, a few. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm sure there's a vaccine. So you wouldn't sleep I'm, in the spare room if you saw a few of them in bed, no? <laughs> no, I'm sure there's a vaccine. <laughs> Get the vaccine for the noble fault. The vaccine is probably the real black widow <laughs> spider. Yeah, yeah. Poor spiders. They get a bad press. They get yeah, a, they don't. Ah, they get a bad press, spiders. Come on out of that. They really will do. They do. And, you know, I just see them out in my garage shed, whatever you like to call it, and you'll see them round the windows and they construct webs and they catch little things. And Or if they come out and you make a vibration, they'll come out. If you do that tap, they'll come out because they think there's something. You know what I mean? A bit mm-hmm. of food there. And I'll tell you, there's biggies in my garage. Oh, biggies. I won't even clean the outside windows if there's, there's you know, webs. Arachnophobia, no is that way. you? I, I wouldn't have arachnophobia totally, but yeah, I don't like them. I would run. Ah, nuts. If I was to clean a web, it'd be a hoover or a very long pole. Our Maggie doesn't <laughs> like them here. You know that, our Maggie Maguire. Oh, our Maggie doesn't okay, like right. spiders all. And one day I found a big one. We, we were rooting, cleaning out one of the press or something, and I found a fella. Well, look, he was... He was long dead and he was perfectly preserved, a good big fella. So Maggie was working on with Michael and uh, I went into the room and I put it, Didn't. I placed it under a page or two that I knew she'd lift. Hmm. I think you could hear the screaming in Lear. I tell you one thing, if you did that in me, you'd hear your, you screaming in Dunlear. <laughs> <laughs> ah, sure. Look, I oh, love that. I woman. love that. Sorry, Maggie. I apologise again. I had to apologise many times since. But uh, I'll tell you, I'm always like that. If I, uh, I'm sure he was dead. He was dead years. The bloody spider. You know what I mean? He wouldn't do anything on you. Anyway, beware the noble false with a spider. Be a zombie spider. In your, <laughs> if they're in your house, beware. Sleep well, sleep easily. Late Lunch LMFM Radio coming up next. TikTok and teeth. What are we talking about? Stay with us to find out. TikTok is the playground of very many young people and things happen there that they see and they follow. Well, there's one thing happening at the moment and it ain't good. I can tell you this and I'm no professional. Young people are using nail files to file their teeth down. Oh my God, I'm actually cringing thinking about it. Let's have a chat now with a man who's a good friend of ours on the show. He's from the Boyne Dental and Implant Clinic in Navin. Dr. David Murnahan, hello again. Well, Jerry, great to be on again. Thanks a million. Oh, not at all. Great to have you with us. I know you are familiar with this. What do you say as a professional to anybody who might contemplate doing this? It's shocking really, isn't it? Uh, when I first heard of it all, I sort of thought it was even, you know, when you put your nails down on a blackboard and you get that sensation down yes. down your spine, uh, a tingle and just that awful feeling. Uh, the same idea must be if you're shaving down your teeth, um, the sound of it, the feeling of it. But not just that, the problem is the long-term damage. Um, it's actually quite serious, unfortunately. It is, it's sort of shocking and you, some people would laugh at it initially, but... The reality is there are lots of young people now and young uh, people that can be influenced so much on social media and on Instagram. Like they're only 13 year olds, some of these people, and they're, they're permanently damaging themselves. So it is, it's, it's an unfortunate craze that uh, some people, they, they're not going to be able to go back on it uh, once they do it. So I think it is important for parents and, and others uh, to hear about it, to be aware of uh, what the kids are, are looking at and seeing and um, to try and stop it before it happens. You know the way your teeth naturally uh, move from being thick at the gum to a point at, at at the tip. That is the natural way, especially for those front teeth up there. And if you take that away, they, they really want them even right across the front and at the bottom too. Is it irreparable damage? Yeah, yeah. Well, your teeth don't grow back. Um, enamel, the outer surface of your tooth is the strongest part of the body. It's much, much stronger than bones, etc. So it is. It's really, really hard. And uh, Whenever we pass away or you look at um, people that have been found centuries ago um, their teeth are still left when mm. everything else is gone mm. and that's how people get um, sort of uh, in, in dentistry whenever you're trying to find people you find yes. dental records that's how long teeth can last 
But if you wear them down, they won't grow back. Um, and that's that's the thing. People aren't really looking at the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And the sensitivity as well. Mm. Once you go through that enamel, you're into denting. And the denting then goes to the nerve. And people uh, that have had toothache, um, it's the last thing they would want. Um, it's one of the one of the worst pains a lot of people can have. Um, I know you and I are both men. But uh, I've plenty of ladies that have been in saying they'd have childbirth before they would have a, a toothache. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it is it is very serious, unfortunately. And, and some of these things on Instagram, it's not even just a small amount of damage they're doing. Some of them are doing a crazy amount. Mm-hmm. They're cutting down their teeth a lot more than a dentist would ever cut down their teeth. So sensitivity, you're going to touch nerves, you're going to have uh, the uh, decay is a sure thing as well. And, you know, in the future, you know the way you can crown teeth or whatever, Mm-hmm. That's not a solution, ultimately, is it? To, to uh, sure. counteract yeah, this, yeah, you don't. Yeah, the, it's very, very short-sighted, unfortunately. And um, people are just looking at some influencers and some things that they think is is cool, but it's it's really not good. They need to go see a dentist. And today's world of dentistry, as well, we're so much more conservative than what they would have been in the past. We try to preserve teeth. We try to add bonding. That's another thing that's huge on Instagram at the moment is bonding. And bonding is really good um, because it's adding on to teeth. Um, it's not taking away veneers and, and crowns very often remove tooth structure. And there's times and places for that as well where it's really good. But in today's world, we do try and add to teeth and not to remove them. Once you remove a bit of tooth, you're going to be doing that every 10, 15 years, sometimes more frequently. Mm. And eventually you can lose a tooth. In today's world... Kids don't need to lose teeth anymore, not like it was 20, yes. 30, 40 years yeah. ago. Now, the other thing that's uh, knocking about at the minute, people love to have whiter than white teeth. And, you know, that smile that you uh, you look at, and it's unbelievable. Uh, it would nearly uh, dazzle you at times. But these self-bleaching kits, what's your opinion on this? Well, it's actually a bleach that's above 6% hydrogen peroxide, um, which is effectively effective bleach that will work. should only be sold at the dentist. There was European policy brought in there set five, six plus years ago to stop uh, online selling of bleach within Europe or gyms or non-dental professionals selling it. So essentially, if you're buying that on the open market, you're buying it on the black market and therefore you don't really know uh, what chemicals you're putting in your mouth and on your teeth. Some of it might be fine, but a lot of it isn't, and it can end up burning the gums or causing long-term sensitivity. Uh, tooth whitening products and dental practices are not majorly expensive, um, and it's a very safe thing to do when done well. Um, but if you're buying things uh, off the internet, you don't really know what you're getting. Mm. Um, so it is, it is dangerous. Okay. So um, the message is, talk to your dentist. Don't go down that road because you don't know what's contained therein. Can I ask you in general, you know, I haven't spoken to, it, to yourself and you're a go-to uh, at this stage uh, for dental matters. Um, the last 12 months and just over for yourselves, really challenging. Did you see a big fall off? Uh, you know, as you said yourself, when you have a toothache, you've got to be seen. Or How did it work for you? Yeah, well, we went through all the trials and tribulations that an awful lot of people have over the last year. Um, and the initial phase, really, of March, April, May last year, we have a team of about 50, 55 people throughout the three clinics in Boyne Dental. And there was only three three of us or so working over that initial period, myself and a nurse and a receptionist. So we kept going in March and April and May when there was real lockdown. And there were people coming to us from literally Cork, Waterford, Northern Ireland coming down just because there was no one open. And again, if you have a toothache or a broken tooth, you have to be seen. Um, so I kept myself busy personally doing that, but for the business it was shocking, it was terrible. And then really since June last year, we started to open up again. And more recently, we've been crazy busy. A lot of cosmetic stuff, um, a lot of people are coming in because a bit like this whole um, social media-driven Instagram, they see themselves more, but with Zoom on meetings, they're seeing their face more and more. So they decide, oh God, I didn't realise my teeth looked like that or X, Y and Z. And they're trying to do the self-improvement. But unfortunately, it's probably the vulnerable people that are still out there and um, they haven't been to the dentist in so long um, for their regular checks and cleans. And it's going to be the next year, two years, three years that we're all going to try and catch up and see them because 
from talking to dentists, they're all really, really busy. Every dentist is busy now. Um, now, it won't be that case forever, but there is going to be a lot of people, and it is the most vulnerable that probably are going to be left behind a little bit, and we're going to have to try and work out something to look after them. Yes. Uh, the public system as well mm. is going to be way behind um, kids dentistry. We've talked about that several times. The waiting lists were already massive. They're going to be worse. Um, so, yeah, like everything, I think, in all of society, it's a big catch-up game and it's going to take a long time. Mm. Uh, and one to watch as well and, and with your children's teeth really as well you might have t- taken the eye off the ball last year but it is time to refocus again and please God this will be looked at and more resources pushed in this direction it's so important just before you go a listener on there to say Jerry, will you ask David I look after my teeth I have lovely teeth but they're a sort of off-white if I could say always not a, a dark colour but just sort of an off-white is that the natural colour for teeth? Could be everyone. A bit like your skin tone. Uh, you have people that are really white, people that are a little bit more sallow. Um, with teeth, you can have lots of different variations. Sometimes then you add in uh, stainings from drinking tea, black coffee, red wine, all these things. Seeing a hygienist will bring that up, but it sounds like your listener has just a, a yellower colour in, in their mm. teeth. Um, that's where bleach and proper tooth whitening products from a dentist and their local dentist can work really, really well. Given an idea of price, it's normally around three hundred euros, give or take, for most most places to whiten all their teeth mm. safely and effectively. Um, so that's that could be an option for them if they want to whiten them. The other thing is, if you had antibiotics when you were a kid, sometimes um, people then, whenever the teeth are developing, they are darker stained. So that's one of the other things it could be. Interesting indeed. David, you're very good. I know you're busy there. Thank you for taking time to join us on that important issue. Don't file the the teeth down if you have uh, teenagers that warn them about it. You're uh, storing up trouble down the road. Dr. David Murnahan from Boyne Dental and Implant Clinic in Navin. Thank you for joining me. Thanks a million, Jerry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. There you have it. Don't do that. Can you imagine putting a file to your teeth? Are you joking me? Back to the spiders. I used the Hoover, Jerry, on the spiders and I put them in the bin. They ain't going to bite me. Oh, my God, me poor spiders. Into the Hoover and into the bin. Anyway, I pick them up and take them out and put them out into me shed. <laughs> Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Spiders rule. Okay, says Paddy. I'm with you all the way, Paddy, on that one. Time for another instalment of Burke's banter. Our Sinead believes knowledge is power. There's a WhatsApp message doing the rounds at the minute, which says in the most self-important tone a phone application can muster, that COVID vaccinations will make you sterile. It's been shared hundreds of times. And the worrying and frustrating thing is, some people believe it. The appearance of this message raises two important questions. Number one, what paranoid internet rabbit hole would you want to have fallen into to make you susceptible to this nonsense? And number two, has the Louth Mead Education and Training Board been mad busy in the last year delivering evening courses in biochemistry? Because suddenly, everyone's an expert. And it's not only on WhatsApp. They are everywhere. The undemocratic republic of Facebook, the disputed territory of Twitter, and even the four full trolley long queue in Lidl. People I previously knew to be waiters or plasters or receptionists are unveiling themselves as authority figures who are really in the know. By day you know me as a hard-working bin man, but tonight, Matthew, through countless hours reading rumours on the dark web, I have become a fully qualified epidemiologist. Really? I don't remember you being that gifted when we were young. Perhaps it was to fill the gap left by Game of Thrones. Or maybe it was because we all like to see other ones making a complete show of themselves. Many of us tuned in last year to watch the closing scenes of the Trump presidency. Donald, in fairness to him, was good value with the ranting and the raving. But in all honesty, didn't a lot of us turn to CNN just to watch Kerry's favourite son, Donny O'Sullivan, attempt to make head nor tail of the crazy conspiracy theorists who attended the political rallies? I think the population of Ireland, like an indulgent mother trying to coax a tired toddler in from the garden, gently shook its communal head and said, 
Oh, Donny, why are you putting up with it? Would you not come home now you've beefed up the CV and leave those silly Americans to it? But Donny is a professional and he's still persevering, interviewing the magamaniacs, occasionally trying to talk a bit of sense to them and all the while acting like he's seen far worse outside of a nightclub in Tralee. And to be fair, if he's been there during the Rose Festival, he probably has. Looking back on it now, we shouldn't have been so smug. We've always had a couple of articles going around that know it all. Authorities and everything, but know nothing at the end of the day. The lad who could have sorted you out with a new car if he'd known that you were looking. The complete dose of a young one that can tell you how many Weight Watcher points are in your sandwich. Annoying, yes, but dangerous, no. However, windy becomes weird and deluded becomes dangerous when self-styled sages start dishing out medical advice. Covid has frightened us all and made us feel vulnerable in a way we never thought possible. The gaps in knowledge around it and the lack of certainty still on how this is all going to pan out has rattled even the most sensible of us. Most of us keep the head and take our heed from people who have worked in the science field for years. This attention should not extend to the new breed of COVID contrarians who have been given the inside scoop by an online blogger wearing a tinfoil hat. It's the same cohort you see demonstrating at anti-lockdown protests or brazenly marching into Centra with no mask on, just waiting to be challenged by the poor girl behind the till. Illegal mass gatherings, anti-vax rhetoric and demanding the end of restrictions jumping up and down about their civil rights. There's nothing civil about that carry-on. Their rhetoric is as dangerous as it is outrageous. Covid is a myth concocted by Bill Gates. 5G is at the back of the whole thing. Jeff Bezos has masterminded the whole thing and we're all going to end up controlled through microchips. Look it. Far be it from me to judge anyone else's contribution to the world. But I know for a fact, I am not interesting enough for anyone to want to microchip me. A quick look at the Facebook feeds of those who know it all also tells me they probably wouldn't be huge players in any new world order either. Being frightened is understandable. Being nervous of getting vaccinated is fine. Ultimately, it's your own business whether you put the lava out to get it or not. But whatever you decide... Make your mind up based on the facts. Don't listen to the conspiracy cowboys. Hear, hear, Miss Sinead Burke. Thank you indeed. Knowledge is indeed power. Yes, Sinead Burke bringing you more of our banter. And we will have another instalment from Sinead presently. I am sure. Thanks a million again, Sinead. Anyway, Louise, question for you. How many legs does a spider have? Am I putting you on the spot? Six, eight. Stick with your first answer, please. Eight. Okay. I was thinking of some of them that might got their legs cut off by the hoover. <laughs> There's a bit of a debate about this. Why? Eight or ten. I think it's ten. I'll tell you why. Eight legs, but they have two more that they sort of use as their hands. You know what I mean? Out front. So, eight, ten. We take eight or ten. And now they're really scary. They have ten. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen them that close up. Yeah, you'll have to get hold of one now. Research for the late lunch show, please. Just get get one and do a count for us, will you? Eight or ten? Eight, they say. Eight, definitely. But I all think of them ten. have eight. There's ten, though. I think they have two other little ones as well that you would sort of say are the hands. Eight, ten. You know, around that. So we'll. It's enough, isn't it? <laughs> when you see them <laughs> fluttering along across the ground on the table. I anyway. actually there was one um, upstairs in. in in the bathroom there a couple of weeks ago and I wouldn't touch it but it had actually captured a fly yes and you could see it working its way yeah. the, it, moving over to the fly that was caught in the web and it was it was horrible but it was actually fascinating mm. to watch how they yes. you know encompass yes. the fly and, it's nature oh, Louise and I they, know it's nature and it's great but yeah. it was just really eerie or something and about it and they have it. their place in the in the pyramid. Chain, they yeah. come in there, so they do somewhere. And I know people are squeamish at them, but there you are. Little ditty today. Eight legs, but 
but perhaps 10 as well with those other two little ones. Thank you, Helen, for your message this afternoon. Uh, Jerry, Sinead, on the money as usual about the vaccine. Lovely to hear from you on the show this afternoon. Don't forget the numbers 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text us to the, text us to the show 1857-15958. We'd like to call in. And if you have a suggestion or a guest or a story directly to myself or Louise, late lunch at lmfm.ie is the email address. We love hearing from you. That's late lunch at lmfm.ie. At any stage, gets a message to us. Still to come on late lunch, my cold play story continues. My artist of the week and two young women from Retold College. Well, they're big sensations on TikTok with a business idea. All coming up on late lunch after news, weather, and sport at three. Whoever you are, thank you for the lovely picture you WhatsApped into me of the super moon last night. Some cows in the field and the moon in the background. It's absolutely lovely. Jerry, I killed spiders on the spot. Oh no, don't stop that. Don't do it anymore. And then on the other hand, Anne says, Jerry and Louise entangle Mr. Spider in a little pinky net with a long handle, dash outside and set him free. And you're singing my song, I have to say today. The old pinky net, another use for it. No, no, Louise, we're not going to, we're not going to mention that. We are certainly aren't. Save the spiders. I'm starting a campaign here on late lunch this afternoon. Save our spiders. S-O-S. Please don't harm them. Set them free. Look after them. They're God's creatures. Now on to Coldplay, my artist of the week this week. In November 2019, frontman Chris Martin took everyone by surprise when he announced that the band wouldn't tour again until concerts or shows could be staged in an environmentally friendly way. Now, for a group that excel on stage live and their legions of adoring fans, this was a major disappointment. But it once again underlines Coldplay's social consciousness. Subsequently, however, Martin appeared to roll back. This is last year, 2020, and into this year slightly when he said the band hoped to go on the road again, but with fewer dates. They last played Ireland at Crow Park in 2017 to a sellout crowd. Wouldn't Slane 22 be the perfect venue for the return of Coldplay? Let's watch this space. They appeared at Glastonbury online last weekend on the back of releasing their new single called Higher Power, which will be included on their new album. Today, I'm winding the clock back a decade to 2011 and the album Milo's Lotto, which delivered this big UK number one. Coldplay, my artist of the week and paradise on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon. And we round off our story of Coldplay with another great song tomorrow afternoon. I'd love to see them at Slane. I say it again, wouldn't it be just fantastic tickets? There'd be chicken's teeth for sure. Now, a final break this Thursday afternoon and afterwards... We're going to uh, talk to two young women from County Meath who picked up a a big prize at the national finals of this year's Student Enterprise Programme. The winners at the national final of this year's Student Enterprise Programme were announced recently and there was a big win for Rathoth College. Yes, Mia Mia Frawley and Rachel Conway came up with a business idea and it won in the category Most Creative Use of Social Media. Media, and we're going to have a chat with them now. Mia Frawley's on the line first. Hello, Mia. Hi. Thank you for joining me on the show. Tell me about this company, Wired Jewellery. What's it all about? So, in early October, myself and Rachel, and um, we had to do a mini company for our business module in school um, for transition year. So, we decided that for like for our business, we'd make and sell these wire rings because Rachel had made some jewellery before. And, like, that kind of jewellery is kind of trending online at the minute, so we decided to give it a go, and it kind of just took off from there. And when you started, uh, how did you come up with the ideas for the creations and the different things you made? What inspired you, or who was uh, the main mover behind that, yourself or Rachel, or both of you together? Um, Well, myself and Rachel, because we've been in class together all year, and we have been using our iPads and stuff. We've seen all of the like the trending videos and stuff for the rings and everything online. So um, we kind of got our creative, a lot of our creative ideas from like Pinterest and TikTok and like what was trending at the minute. And we kind of just tried to like put our own twist on it and recreate it. Not like, like 
put our own twist on it. Yes, yes, and that's uh, really perceptive, obvious. So you're on uh, the money, you're you're on the ball, you're watching what's happening, and you create to meet what you think w- will be the demand. So you set up this mini company and you make this stuff. So w- what way then do you sell it or, or bring it to market? Tell us about that. So um, we set up our social media platforms because with COVID, that was kind of the main way we could promote was online. So we made a TikTok account and an Instagram account. So it really kicked off when Rachel, at the end of October, made a TikTok video. It was only 15 seconds long, kind of a tutorial on how she made the rings. And that blew up and it got over 100,000 likes and 700,000 views. Hmm. So after that, um, we started taking orders for all the different rings we had made through our Instagram and we gained a lot of followers on Instagram through that so they'd message us on there and then we'd reply and get back to them through that. Mm. And these orders I take it when you're on uh, the world wide web and social media on this little planet of ours, they came from everywhere did they? Yeah we were were so surprised, it was really exciting like they came from, we had the first big one we got was from Australia and I remember me and Rachel were calling each other like oh my god we have a call from Australia (laughs) and there was one from like um, America, we had ones from like Norway, like we had mad places <laughs> sending us um, orders. It was really exciting though because we never ever thought that it would blow up big like all over Europe and stuff too. Yeah, it's a great story. It really is and it shows you the power of uh, social media. Just flip me across to Rachel there, will you, for a second please? Yeah, of course. Thanks a million. Hello. Hi Rachel. Hi. Well, 670,000 views, 105,000 likes, orders coming in from all over the world. How do you keep up with demand? Oh, it was very, very busy at the beginning. Like, I didn't really, it kind of took off overnight, so I didn't really know what way to organise it at the beginning, and it was it was just crazy. Mm. And uh, what's mo- what do you make? Just tell us, give us a few examples of uh, what were jewellery you're manufacturing. So we make handmade rings and we're trying to make a few other things, but mainly rings using jewellery wire. And then we use some beads or some crystals and a few different um, styles to make our own handmade jewellery. What's the most popular? Um, At the beginning, we had blue bead rings and they were really, really popular. So we had to buy more at the beginning. So you ran out quite quickly, which is great to hear. So here you are, two students with a mini company and suddenly there's a massive demand on you and you're making and manufacturing like mad yourselves and obviously shipping out. How did it work? Did you just have to set up a, 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 of course you had a payment channel and then getting the stuff to people. Was that difficult? Um, We didn't really know what way to do it at the beginning. So we had to do a lot of research with that Um, and we had to figure out what was the best way to ship them off to make sure they arrived safely. Mm. So we had to look in with the post office and look in the cheapest way to buy envelopes and for each order. So it was, it took a while, but we figured it out in the end. Yeah, and the payment methods, yeah, that to make sure you got paid for your work and your product, yeah. you set that up and it's, it's worked fine for you as well? Yeah, we used PayPal just because it was yes. the easiest way that we found. Ah, oh, yes, straightforward. So, so many people would be used to that. So you're an international company overnight. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible, it really is. You must have been pinching yourself. And then to come on to these awards, to uh, pick up this major award at these Enterprise Finals for most creative use of social media. As uh, Mia was saying to me, it was only 15 seconds, but it made an impact. Yeah, it really did. Because um, we never really anticipated with TikTok what way it would go. Mm. So then when it started kind of more so overnight, it started blowing up and it was really, really surprising for us because we didn't really expect much to come from our mini company. Um, So it was really, really good. Yeah, interesting. Uh, It just shows you, you must be chuffed the pair of you to win uh, this national acknowledgement. Yeah, it was really good because, as I said, we didn't really expect anyone to, well, obviously we tried our best to get our business name out there, but we didn't really expect Mm. much more than from within our school. Yes, and within your school, the other side of the world, young woman, they're coming from now to look for what you're making. Where are you now with this? What do you think? Where does this go? Um, So we're trying to continually promote our business um, and we're we're constantly looking for 
um, new ways to to make jewellery and to sell it and kind of more promote it online again. Mm. So there's something has arisen here from a mini company. You know, you don't re- realise this, you know, and, and there's some fantastic ideas. I've seen them myself over the years of what's possible with this. So it's whet your appetites, I take it now, for more. Yeah, we're, um, after all the success we've seen online with it, yeah. we're, we're constantly trying to see what's the best way to keep it going and mm. make sure we still... Yeah, well, look, I wish you well. It's a great story. I wish Mia and yourself, Rachel, all the very best. And well done to Gary Flanagan, all the uh, teaching staff and the support you've got there from within the school. They're fantastic. Good luck to you in the future, wherever life takes you. But you're off to a great start anyway. Well done to you. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Not at all. Bye-bye. See you. That's uh, Mia Frawley there and Rachel Conway, two great young women from Rathode College in County County Mead with a wee idea that's just really taken legs and run and run. Well done to them. That's a lot on late lunch today. Tomorrow, Andrew Christopher Dunn, garden designer, no bloom this year, but he has lots to talk to us about. He's a great guy. Book club with Margaret Madden, wines for the weekend, Rick Cronje, and look ahead to sport. You can't beat that tomorrow from half one to half three here on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. But if I don't say this my producer will just go ballistic. Friends, reunion tonight, 8 o'clock on Sky. We leave you with this one. Bye, see you tomorrow. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the northeast with same-day business finance. So let our van specialist Danny find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.